So we left the motel or hotel or whatever was the travel lodge. Um, a little while ago, we're at the ferry heading to the island. The hotel we were in was packed full of homeless with even a um, homeless people and even a um, trailer parked off to the side with somebody living in it. Had gazebo out front um, and an IHOP that got robbed while we were there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I've never been in an IHOP, but uh, somebody r- ran out of there with their dinner, their takeout. Somebody else chased them. So, I mean, there's, it's getting rampy out there and there's almost 12 um, riots. These would be the uprisings, but riots for now. <clears throat> excuse me, that are going on in the United States with National Guard to some extent involved. I was, you know, I don't know if it's all of them or whatever, but I would imagine National Guard involved in all of them. Um, and I expect globalists will push all this shit all over the globe, you know, one way or the other. They'll spark it. Get some crisis going. There's nothing like a good crisis, is there? It's funny. Um, but was I was going to... Um, okay, so the, I'll put a link to the boat that we're seriously looking at then. It has a mooring buoy off the coast so that we can sit on the boat and stay there. It has a dinghy so we can go to shore. And then I would just need to be able to find a place to park the van in order to, you know, sort of move things out of it and deal with it, clean it up and sell it or whatever. But, um, yeah, it is, uh, I mean, that's the intent. Just moving forward, the thing is I know we have to take action. I know we can't be afraid. I know the door that we choose, it'll be correct no matter what. Even if it's diverted at the last second or diverted all the way through, it's just it's just being tired, I think, of the journey. Um, three sort of perspectives on Chris, um, the, the synchronicities. I've had to go through two suicides, not had to go. It's not like I'm weighing, taking the weight of them, but I experienced two suicides, both neighbors. One guy hung himself in the apartment building we were in, in Dawson City. <coughs> Excuse me. This little cough has come back again. Um, and uh, and then Chris, who was sleeping beside us in the tent. And they both looked very similar. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm just going to put it out there because they both look similar, steely-eyed, tall, strong, um, about the same age, and, uh, you know, both dealing with hard times. And both me really not seeing the depth of um, pain and sort of hopelessness, I suppose, that both felt. And in hindsight now, I'm thinking that Chris wanted to help. He needed a break. And I think based on what he was seeing coming, he understood everything I was talking about. I mean, he might not have been seeing multidimensional reality, but he saw the writing on the wall. He lived on the street. He couldn't miss it. Anyway, um, the understanding I have in my own communications and other people communicating is just joining me uh, on this journey um, of homelessness, let's say, to uh, vibe up. It's like combining spiritual energy and consciousness to, uh, (coughs) excuse me, to continue the journey. It was too coincidental. I just was curious about, uh, curious about it. I mean, there's more to it. I don't need to know everything. We get to know everything on the other side, but I was more curious about why two very similar people pull the trigger. And, you know, because you start to think, you mean, if you're high vibe, you're holding a high vibe, that can have an effect on other people. But I think... It was possibly that we're just moving out of realities that we're no longer, you know, we're just not sharing realities with uh, people. You know, the divergence has been ongoing since we woke up. I'm on a different planet as of a long, long time ago. One big divergence. 
one big divergence in 911. Divergences back in 1989, I think it was, after the harmonic convergence with uh, the changes in global politics, the Berlin Wall, and uh, the collapse of uh, just different systems that were, you know, fairly dark age. So, you know, it's it's just the way it is. It's hard to say why things happen, um, but it is a it's one hell of a journey. A lot of light workers just don't make it. A lot of light workers are those who suffer from uh, drug abuse because they carry. And I've I've been experiencing lately this sort of uh, there's a level of depression and loneliness that I felt as a kid because my two mothers worked nights, so they weren't there when I went to bed and they weren't there when I got up in the morning. It'd be grade one, grade two, grade three. So I'd hide my sneakers under the bed and uh, and then crawl under the bed and sleep it's to hide, so I didn't have to go to school from time to time. So, yeah, I missed a lot of school <laughs> from over the years. I missed a lot of school. I was in camps. I missed grade four. Um, I missed, uh, I moved all the time. Anyway, I just missed a lot of school, but I graduated great top marks and top marks in college because I, uh, you know, I really wanted to break out of this instability, so I studied hard to be able to do that. But anyway, uh, a lot of that comes up, this sort of loneliness, and it's a past life loneliness because there's no need to be lonely as a child. I mean... Um, you're, you're a child, you wake up and you should be excited to do whatever you're doing. So if you're feeling that sort of deep, uh, hardcore, um, I don't know, loneliness or longing for, for a f- sort of family and home, <coughs> sorry, oh, I still have this, uh, cough. I mentioned that, but it's annoying when I talk, it really kicks in. So I sit with it and I get the feeling that other people, I get the feeling, first of all, that when you're in your unsolvable problem, coming to the end, kind of like a landing in the storm where it's just, the storm is too big, it's too close, it's on top of us, it's uh, not something can be navigated by thinking your way through it, all you can do is go with the flow, that's the sigh of the needle thing, and, uh, you know, let go of whatever's going to be taken away because it's... It's so much like a virtual reality thing. You know, money can come and go. People that support you can come and go at any time. Uh, the biggest changes that happen to us come out of the blue. They're not the things that we can see coming. And uh, that's just the way it is. So if you're feeling anyway that sort of hardcore depth of despair or no place to go or you're all alone, um, keep in mind that this eye of the needle, it, the build up to it is facing all of the fear. And so this unsolvable journey and the experiences that I've had is all about that. It's about, you know, trying to be responsible um, in a family and, you know, making sure everybody stays safe and working towards a future um, landing, you know, so there's a home or it feels like home in what we all know here and and you know is um, a reality that is diverging and it's changing so much that, there's just no way to navigate with uh, the skills we were taught. We're having to navigate with the skills that we're learning, and that's all there is to it. <clears throat> There's nothing more really to say about it. This journey is a healing journey. It's going to bring everything to the surface. It's going to put you in an unsolvable problem so you can't escape it. You have to come in one end and leave the other end. Uh, if you try to go back, things get harder. You can't. <clears throat> it's all or nothing. So this boat... Um, it just, you know, I wanted to go back to the federal campgrounds in the Yukon and just park because there's just no other options. And I, and I just need time to breathe and try to get in shape without having to take on an entire new lifestyle and figure out all the rules and the regulations and all that shit. But 
then I decided, you know, it's just, it's just getting, it's too much. We have to make a move. So it's better off to just pick a boat, uh, from somebody that I, I don't know, but I trust intuitively to, uh, um, yeah, just to, to deal with. And, um, and so we're just going to do it. You might hear trucks beside me here. Um, we're in the lineup for the ferry. So, and the fact that it does come with a mooring buoy is is good too because it's hard to get into a marina. Um, I'm waiting for a call back from a marina as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, when I woke up, it, it was that heavy feeling. If you've ever had some really depressed days before you woke up, you know, more it's depressed days in that sense. I haven't been in depression. I've been in absolute um, exasperation with how to get through this and the purging. The depression thing is going deep. It's releasing it. And we need to do that in order to be balanced on the other side of this to do the work we're going to do. <clears throat> learning to, not just learning to live in the now, but living in the now. In other words, practicing uh, living in the now in uh, chaos, basically. Where, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's pretty chaotic, just even this part, because there's different realities. There's people who will smile and there's people that will look at you like they want to kill you. And you've never met them, never even had a conversation. It's just people are getting that dark and that vibed up that they just, people just know, you know, they, um, they know, you know, I don't know how to explain what they know, but they know that you're, you're wrong for them. You're wrong for the planet. You're wrong for the community. You're threatening, even though you haven't said a word or done anything. And then there's those who know you're just, you're light and, uh, it's okay to smile and not be afraid. Excuse me. So, there you go. Um, interesting video about Mighty Mouse in space. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's funny because it's uh, because it's now a conspiracy. It'll be okay with the general public. Um, they won't have to say anything about it. It just won't spread anyway. The news article about the uh, twelve uh, uprising places or whatever riots. The source of the news is blocked. You can't even go in. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it's, you know, it's just a lot of censorship. Um, what else? Oh, there was an interesting where they did the SpaceX rocket landing at that same website where I found that info. And I posted a link to the, not website, but the YouTube channel where the rocket is going to come in and all of a sudden it's glitch. Oh, sorry, we love you. We've, made, we've lost connection. And then the connection comes back and there's the rocket with a little bit of smoke. <laughs> it couldn't be more fake. You know what I mean? It's just hilarious. But again, the drones will buy into it. The drones, I mean, if it really did blow up, NASA could, would probably say, you know, the moon is made of cheese. There's mice everywhere. They're space mice. They live in extreme conditions, and we're, you know, we're building the tools required to take them out. And people would buy into it. You know what I mean? Alien mice. Big cheesy moon. Uh, GM and Ford. That was why I was writing a comment. We'll be building the mouse traps, you know, because whoever's connected to GM and Ford. Um, they seem to get, you know, they're, they're going so broke so fast. They need just about anything to manufacture at this stage. And that's been ventilators, I think, lately. Um, so there you go. Uh, nothing's going to wake up the other side. And it's funny, you know, I think the news, I don't follow the news because I'm, I'm busy having this little mini implosion here. But I think the news is promoting white supremacists as the evil people um, spreading across America. And, it, I mean, it's just so fucking bizarre. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't even fit a narrative. It doesn't fit anything to do with racism or anything. 
you know, you, you have, um, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. So I won't say much more about it, but hopefully enough info gets out there that CNN gets a few more shops lit up. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is happening. Not much else. I'm just going to put the link for the boat so you can see what we're looking at. It's um, it's not too big, not too small. It doesn't have hot water. It doesn't have a shower, but then we can come in for that. We can also probably heat up water. Salt water is amazing to clean with, although you might feel salty. You can wipe down after. Um, it's amazing to clean with, you know, out in a boat. It's nice to be able to sit in the serene water. I mean, you just there's give and take. You just can't fucking have everything. Um, you know, it's, um, and I don't care. We've been living in a van without uh, hot water and shower as well just an emergency toilet uh, if you have to pee or something like that. So we're kind of used to that lifestyle. And uh, if it's warm, you can always dive in and take a swim or go into a shallow bay or something. Um, it's just it's just not that big a deal. Really, the biggest deal is, you know, when you can't park, when you can't sit, uh, that's a big deal. Because everybody who that is in charge of getting you to move from their area doesn't care that everybody else is doing the same thing. They don't realize that it's an impossible situation. But I'm seeing more and more, and I can get creative, and I can do all kinds of things and belligerent, and but I'm too tired, you know what I mean? And I understand that going with the flow is what this is about. Spirit doesn't create resistance unless it's time to move on. And in my case, these resistances have been undeniable. So it's not about fighting. If I thought it was about fighting, I'd have been fighting all kinds of stuff. I, had, uh, I haven't discussed this before, but when my mother had passed, it was an estate worth $1.4 million. It was the family home, and I had to walk away from it because of another person in the family was signed on to the will. Not even, you know, I mean, not even part of the family, really, but signed on to the will, and it just became a nightmare, and I had to walk away, and they took everything, and I had to walk away from that as well. I just couldn't, I just emotionally was worn out, and I couldn't deal with it. And, uh, you know, and so the, the last thing was I had paid, um, I had paid the lawyer's um, my portion of the bill, it's a little complicated and immediately. And then, cause that's, that was the, the arrangement. And the other person who was signed on to the will just before my mother died, didn't pay their portion of the will. So they came after me and I said, I'll tell you what, I'm homeless at this point because you guys fucked this thing up so bad. You, uh, you, you're not allowed to have somebody who's dying you know, on drugs just before they die, sign a will without having a doctor come in to make sure they're in the right mind. There's just so many things that were wrong with this case, but I still was willing to let it go because I couldn't fight it. The money that we did have had to be used for this journey and I had to continue to do it. I couldn't just hunker down and fight this case because it would have went on forever. There was another party involved that had millions of dollars to fight as well. It was, uh, the um, other half of the estate, it's hard to complicate, but my mother's husband, uh, ex-husband, or no, husband, <laughs> died, and he was quite rich anyway, but he had, uh, you know, a lawyer for his kids. It was very complicated, but anyway, it was the family house. It was the house I grew up in, and uh, so anyway, I walked away, um, but when I got the bill, I said, I'm homeless. You come after me again. You ask me for this money, and I'm going to take you to the you know, the law board for review, and then I'm going to show you what it is that a marketing professional can do to your reputation by putting the story out there. So what did they do? They requested the money again by email when, during the coronavirus thing when you know everything's falling apart. And, uh, and so I said, you know what? 
I'm going to fucking come after you now. I'm going to show you what I was talking about. I was willing to walk away. So I did. I sent all of the information to the law board in Alberta. They're investigating it now. And I said that $1.4 million that you decided to, you know, blow up on me and then try to charge me for somebody else's bill as well. I'm going to make sure that this entire uh, story ends up online and it's going to be in all of the review areas. And it's that's all I needed to do, really. Uh, and just explain that it was a family that ended up homeless and that you're trying to collect money from us even though we don't owe it uh, while we're living in a van. You know what I mean? I warned them, and they didn't leave me alone, and they blew up the case. So I'm saying that because I know there's other people out there that have potentially these dangling carrots where there's money. But this thing was so complicated, you know what I mean? And this is the difference. You can see this. It was so complicated because not only was there another party signed on as executor and inheritor in this will, which should never have happened, uh, but it involved, uh, and that's what fucked it all up because now I would have to, I didn't know that person went on in that way. And that person would have to have been removed within a short period of time. And then the other side is a millionaire that was fighting the case to begin with. And it just became a bit of a bloodbath and all. And I had to decide, what do I want to do? Heal, rise above the fight, go with the flow of ease or, you know, lock down, get all pissed off and try to, you know, get that money because it belongs to us or whatever it was. And it, there's a story, a long story behind that. And it had, and it goes back actually, I don't want to get deep into it, but it's interesting. It goes back to when I opened my first business and did, was going to teach windsurfing, uh, in the Yukon. And I had to leave because, uh, there was a divorce happening and my mother was scared that, uh, the other guy would plant drugs in the car and I'd be arrested and stuff like that. It was pretty hardcore. He threatened to have her killed stuff like that. So, um, it's just, an, you know, I don't mean to get dramatic here, but I'm, I guess what I'm trying to, I don't know why I'm bringing this story up. If I was to bring it up, I would usually, you know, keep it totally separate. But the bottom line is that I got a lot of bottom lines here, but the bottom, yeah, the bottom line, stay there, stay out of drama, drama, stay out of the fight, stay out of the bullshit, carry on, let the past go, forget trying to get revenge, forget trying to get what you think you were owed in that sense, move on, move forward. Because this is the eye of the needle. And had I hunkered down to fight that fight, I would still be in that fight. We would be broke. We probably have to be in social housing or whatever the case is somewhere with a shitty job. And in the end, there wouldn't have been enough money <coughs> to uh, do anything. Anyway, it just it just fucking blew up, you know. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to put it out, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to put it out there. I was thinking of not putting this out there because it's very personal. It's a lot of drama and bullshit. I don't give a crap about it anymore. I don't want any part of the karma that comes from the money. I know a lot of other stories that have to do with um, with the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just fucking bad history, right? And it's a lot of uh, a lot of crap. So if you're dealing or pissed off with family stuff, you got to keep in mind parents. These parents that. Uh, ended up having light workers had contracts to have these kids at a certain place, a certain time, a certain situation. We would get to be where we needed to be and learn what we needed to learn. And I was raised by two very compassionate uh, women and I got to, to learn a lot and be very worldly at a young age, basically, and, uh, you know, survive well. And <clears throat> then you can have parents that, um, can just be fucking so 3D, they don't have a heart, they have animal instinct, and their animal instinct is mine. 
You know what I mean? So that's it. Mine. And unfortunately, a lot of them didn't wake up. A lot of them really just were incapable of uh, sort of connecting to their own children in any way, shape, or form. They just didn't have the compassion or empathy that they needed. They just couldn't connect. And I was lucky to have been in, have that in my life, at least part of my life, or I mean my life, but, uh, you know, on the one half of it, <clears throat> so that I could learn what I needed to learn or to experience what I needed to experience so that my daughter would have that. And I would come back in a family, hers down the road, where I would be the beneficiary in, in a sense of that compassion and wisdom that I'm teaching so that uh, my future is way more balanced, loving, and directed towards a higher vibrational, um, you know, just way of living. But those who were just never couldn't, just fucking couldn't do it, it's hard to say, you know, ultimately who these parents are. Are they really just cavemen mentality? You know what I mean? Are they really just going to head off and fucking spend the next thousand lifetimes learning how to be compassionate? Are they going to just wrap themselves up with sores to start all over as cave people? Are they going to just end up reincarnating in 5D because they're just playing a fucking role? Nobody knows. You know what I mean? Some of the hardcore roles might be played by uh, by hardcore light workers. You know, it's it's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, humanity creates this shit, and uh, and I really don't know. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say no. I I think the people that hurt other people or don't have compassion for other people or don't have compassion within their own family. First, if you don't have compassion in your own family, you have no connection to spirit because that's where spirit begins in the family. But I, I think it's probably pretty 3D. Anyway, here we go. Oh, so that last field, that last story, the personal story, it can make you feel, these stories can make you feel like how come everybody around you managed to get through and be, do okay and, you know, financially or stability, and they didn't seem to be all that nice to other people, let's say, they just seemed to be hardcore. It's just the nature of the way it was. I wouldn't trade this for anything in the world. It's hard and it's difficult, but I know that it's worth it in the end. <clears throat> and I'll get through it. If I had to go back and do all the 3D shit I needed to do to crawl the way to the top, fuck, I know all of that too. I just don't want to do it. You know, there's a better way to do it. I don't want to fight uh, anymore. Um, I could do it. It would just, it would become a nightmare for everybody. And it certainly wouldn't take me anywhere in 3D because I still carry the high vibrational uh, consciousness around me. I have to essentially land in a version of reality that's reflective of who I am before I can be supported. Now, I actually think we're there, but I think the world is, is in such a state that I'm not sure just how much uh, I can... It depends individually. Some people can be doing just fine. <clears throat> and some people are sort of hitting, you know, rock bottom and they're doing their own healing. Maybe it's deep healing. Some people may have done it in a past lifetime or past lifetimes. I, I really don't know. There's no comparing this. There's no one person ahead of another. We're all playing a very specific role, a very scripted, higher self-scripted role to do what we came here to do. And that's, I know this much. I mean, I know it and I don't enjoy it. I want out. It feels like as other people are recognizing that it's, it's uh, like a holographic fucking game. You know what I mean? It's like um, total recall type of a thing as a, like a first person perspective in a, in a reality. And I, from time to time think, holy shit. I mean, I wonder if I paid for this fucking thing. I signed up to some company and here I am in my worst nightmare. You know what I mean? Playing a role to see, you know, just how much wherewithal I have. 
and uh, when you pull the trigger here, you exit the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to say. You just start to lose a grip on what's what anymore because the people that I used to know they're not the same. They're different people, different planet. You know what I mean? It's uh, you can have I've experiences of flat Earth and round Earth that started like that in the beginning. You can have experiences where reality just isn't uh, coming across the way it used to, and you realize that it could be anything. This could be anything. <clears throat> the way I felt all the way along was alien invasion, or I have died and I'm in some other version of reality completing what it is that I came to do, you know, for my own benefit, or reality shifting. I mean, all kinds of different versions came up, and really many times it was, fuck, am I dead, you know, because this is just too weird. How does everything change? How does everything change so much? I'm not even in the same politics anymore. I'm not in the same Canada anymore. I'm not on the same planet I know anymore. But I'm, you know, it's like the mouse in that movie, in that uh, video. People will just get past it. Oh, well, who knows what that was? You know, somebody faked a video and added a mouse later. Who the fuck knows? But they'll get past it. Kind of like, um, it's like a human nature. Well, I'll, okay, I'll get past the idea that South America is no longer where it used to be. That all the fucking continents are on one side of the earth and not sort of spread around like they used to be. <clears throat> that the earth is a thousand miles smaller uh, in diameter. In, circ in circumference, I should say, and a variety of other major changes and rainbow mountains and fucking a pink elephant and rainbow trees and just a slew of Mandela effects and all this crap. I can get past all of that, you know, because I just have to start a life again. I mean, fuck, if we can get past that, there's nothing we can't get past. No wonder this sort of deep state cabal has total control of the fucking sheep out there because there's absolutely nothing they're not willing to accept. It just depends on their survival. And it, and it does for me too. What what am I willing? To, I'm in a fucking homeless compound with my daughter and my wife, on an island. I don't know anybody. I don't even know the type of crisis lay of the land or the dangers that exist in the environment. And yet there I am parked. There wasn't security 24/7 there. And there I am parked, but I'm using my intuition and I'm used to feeling, you know, doing crazy shit. So I wasn't scared, but that's not the point. Why am I there? One of my channeling sessions very quickly with Chris afterwards, and I felt him, you can feel people in your heart, was it was time for us to get the fuck out of there. And it was also time for him to move on. He wasn't interested in the slew tsunami of people that were going to end up in the street and be hooked on opiates when they get back into their general doctor, practitioner. He saw this coming. He was fucking wide awake, but he didn't, wasn't wide awake. You know what I mean? He was on the street dealing with shit, but he saw what was coming. He was a light worker. His vibe was high enough that we could have a conversation, discuss just about anything. It was really mind blowing. And it's, I immediately wanted to volunteer because he's a light worker. You know what I mean? To help him and stay there. But it wasn't, it just wasn't the right place to be. And then I never mentioned this, but the other guy, Victor, who was in there on our way out, I, he was walking up the lane in behind the arena and he was just standing there like a zombie and I stopped I said man we're, we're taking off are you okay and he'd walked off in his sock feet and he wasn't okay I don't know if it was bad drugs or what had happened but he said I need an ambulance so I turned around and went back to the compound and uh, and everybody's just sort of standing around and so they you know I don't know anyway I guess they called an ambulance but then we went back down gave him like a cold soda water to, uh, you know, try to feel better. So he sat down on the side of the road and then a few people, friends of his came up to see if he was okay, if he'd taken his methadone or whatever and he hadn't. But it was, I don't know what it was, but the point was it was just the fucking wrong place 
wrong time uh, to be there. You know, I mean, there's just not, I mean, I've thought about this stuff before. I don't know what to do. I think the fucking best solution for people that are hooked is give them a goddamn place to be clean and monitored and let them fucking continue until they're, they can get off until they're ready to get off or in something. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, but when I do know that the men- mental state of people who are sort of on drugs, I mean, they're just in a lot of pain emotionally, you know, bad families, abuse and shit like that. Um, they just come in, they just fucking, t- they just can't take it. You know what I mean? And they come in and they teach compassion. They're light workers. Other people see them in that state. They either feel compassion or they don't. It's a sign of society being sick. They play the role of the sickness in society so that others can see it and begin to look at it and look to heal it. And it's a fucking hard road, road to, to, you know, it's hard to live that way, obviously. Right. And people don't last that long. Chris lost a ton of people every year, 10, 10 people a year, at least I think it was 10 or 15 people, friends of his or something. I can't remember. It's a lot of people anyway, fucking dying. Cause there's just, there's just nothing to live for. You know what I mean? You get to the point, what, what's the fucking point? You know, especially when you're, let's say 50 or, you know, 40 something, what's the point at that point? You've already moved past all the things that motivate a lot of people to do anything. And now you're just biding your time, getting sicker, tighter, and you just don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And that's the end of the game, you know. And it's an odd place to be. But big changes are coming. And this is the solution that is playing out. Don't get hooked on the problems. Don't get hooked on the ego. Don't get hooked on the bullshit. Don't fight for shit. Uh, if, if, you know, if it's going to wear you out, if you really, really think you need to fight for things and, you know, go for it, but try to stay out of the emotional side of the drama. I just opted not to. It, it just, I, I, I know when to fight. <laughs> what is it? Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to walk away. I've been in enough law cases and, you know, human rights stuff and what's right and what's wrong. And man, the only people that make any money are the lawyers and there's too much nepotism to be able to be sure what the outcome is. I was in a case where we won uh, it went, ended up going to the Supreme Court. It set precedence. There was so much fucking corruption and nepotism between uh, human rights, the Board of Adjudication, uh, even, um, what is that, workers' compensation, somebody that sat on the board there, the college in the Yukon, people that sat on the board there, the chair there, they all fucking knew each other. Their lawyer, one of their lawyers became a Board of Adjudicator of the case that I was working on with a, with a lawyer. And uh, we won in the end, set precedent across Canada, but at the last second, the judge was replaced, right? We had won the court case in the beginning. They, they are the ones that appealed it and uh, took it to Supreme Court, and I and they lost. And you know they took the hit, but I'll tell you, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of media push. It's online that case still. But anyway, I'm not. I don't want to uh, go down that road. I mean, I don't even know why I'm disclosing this stuff. I mean, it's this is just little bits and pieces, probably because I'm so fucking tired, and I just want to give you some insight. Um, maybe share the stories a little bit more because, I mean, this really is the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that uh, we could be discussing here. Um, Anyway, so stay out of the drama. It's not worth it. The $1.4 million would have... it, it, yeah, I mean, it just would have blew up at some point. It was just not the thing to go after. That was just sort of a test to see if I would be, uh, you know, lost in survival mentality or if I would choose to continue on the journey to heal and stay out of the drama and just use the money that we did have to make it through to the other side, even if we had to start from scratch. And ultimately, the bottom line was it was a case that was basically so complicated, there was no way to deal with it. And so I knew that something was designed for that reason. In other words, maybe it was just a warning that, uh, you know, like a variable set up to make sure that I would make the right decision 
it was just too complicated. All right, I'm going to leave it at that. One of the more personal recordings that I put up, I'll put it up anyway. We'll see what happens, and I'll talk to you later.